Have you got your mojo working? Do you just want to give it a good kickstart? Either way, you've come to the right station. The Mojo Radio Show will help you get your mojo working at work and at play. I got my mojo working. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. The show that is all about helping you be better in and out of your work. Get your mojo working, get you in the zone, in the lane, get you feeling good about your life. What we do is we just find people that Rob and I find interesting. We have a chat to them, hear their opinions, their tips, their tools, their thoughts, the stuff they do that we can adopt, or let's face it, folks, we can steal, to put into our world to help us be better for our families, our work, creativity, business, for the community, no matter what it is. If we think we can help, we're all over it. And when I say we, I mean me and the guy behind the panel, the guy who drives the big red bus that is the Mojo Radio Show. Robbo, g'day, mate. Hello, how are you going? Man, I'm getting a bit of recovery time in now. Now the hey. uh, Olympics are done. There was a uh, a lot of Olympic viewing over the last couple of weeks, and I have it's to say <laughs> I love the track and field. What a sense. And the, 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 the soccer, the football, mm. and it's just as as – Bruce McAvaney said it was special, but uh, gee, the track and and the field events and some of the moments that we took out of it, just brilliant. Yeah, I know. It's, but Olympics are sort of, you know, that's what they do, don't they? Just bring those special moments. Whether No matter what country you're from, there's always something that you just look at. I mean, New Zealand, first medal on the track and field ever. There's always something, isn't there? There was always something and... Uh, some great memorable moments and I mm. found just a couple of quick things mm. that I found a bit interesting. Mm. Michael Phelps owned the pool. There's no doubt about it. It was just his pool. Yep. And I had a few people ask me why he had those big purple circles on his shoulder and his back. Do you know what that's all about? I think it might be that cupping thing that people do, right? It's called cupping therapy and it's a form mm. of ancient Chinese medicine mm. and it supposedly helps athletic aches and pains. And what they do is they take a little cup and generally an acupuncturist would apply it. They soak a cotton ball in alcohol, mm. they light it on fire, but inside the cup remove the flame, and they quickly place it onto your skin. Hmm. What happens is it really tightens up your skin. It basically sucks your skin up into the cup. And supposedly what it does is it enhances the blood flow in a natural way to the point that is cupping. So I suspect he was using it for his shoulders and back hmm. to help with the quick recovery between events. Hmm. Seems to have worked. Seems to have worked pretty well, really, when you look at his medal count. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the big craze now is everyone's going to be cupping. Yes, exactly. With these big purple <laughs> circles on them. Uh, there actually isn't a lot of real data or scientific evidence behind it. Mm. However, mm. Uh, it has been around for a very, very long time. There are a lot of people who believe in it, who say it is very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I'd say anybody who's interested who is struggling with recovery, soreness, and wants to speed up the healing process is probably worth having a crack at. Mm. Uh, but be very careful if you suffer for anything to do with, you know, blood disorders, bleeding disorders, anything like that, you be very, very careful because it can damage your blood vessels if not done properly. So yeah. 
Uh, I thought that was interesting to share. And the other one I found, mm. uh, did you watch any of the beach, silly question, did you watch <laughs> any of the beach volleyball by chance? Mm, I, there was something about a beach I seem to remember, but bikinis seem to come to mind a bit more than volleyball, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> well, you may have noticed, here's an example, the US beach volleyball uh, girl, the girls, the team. Yes. yep. Kerry Walsh Jennings and April Rose, who played particularly well and went really, really well, they had this uh, like blue tape on them that had USA printed on it across right. their shoulders and arms. And a lot of athletes, for example, the uh, the guy who smashed the world record for the 400 metres had it taped to his lower back. Right. You saw some sprinters had it on their arms. And it's called KT tape or kinesiology tape. So the idea behind the KT tape is it's kind of stretchy and what it does is when you put it at the right angle onto your muscle, Hmm. it creates a tension and it almost gives it more support. There's a big vibe on it. Um, I don't think it's just for Olympians. I think any of us, and I've proved that if I use it, anybody can use it and get benefit from it. Anyone with joint soreness, muscle soreness or are struggling a bit, I think it's worth investigating. It's called kinesiology tape or KT tape, and it comes from different colours, Robert. Mate, it takes me back to my rugby union days when we used to strap our heads to stop our ears getting rubbed off in the scrums, and my coach always used to tell me that, (laughs) used to say that we didn't do it for that reason, we used to do it to keep our brains in. So there you go. Well, this stuff's good because you've got to warm it up. So it's almost like you've got to heat this thing up. Yeah. So it stretches and then provides the tension to your, wherever it's your knees or your elbows yeah. or your back or your shoulders. But um, I just, the reason I bring it up is I saw a lot of people using it in the Olympics mm. and uh, a few people asked me what it was all about. I think it's worth investigating. It, it makes me think of those, um, remember those patches people used to put across their nose that they used to say would keep your nasal passages open more and allow more oxygen in? It went through that trend for a little while too, didn't we? Well, it's still happening. I mean, there were guys in the marathon, right, okay. in, the, in the men's marathon, yeah. you look at the front line, um, some of the guys who are the higher ranked marathoners in the world yeah. still had across their nose. Okay. And people oh, like Alberto Contador, one of the great world's great cyclists in the yep. Tour de France and so on, he still uses it. So, right. um, oh, well. I don't there know there's anything to it or not, Yeah, but it is still getting around that stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. The good things stick, mm. just like us. The Mojo Pages. Now, speaking of sticking, yes. I've got a little book review for you. Let's do it. Now, this book is called The Bone Broth Miracle, and the reason I am bringing it up as my little book review mm. is a couple of reasons. Number one, I love it. I've had great results from making my own bone broth and it's super simple to do. And this book takes you through not just how to make bone broth because you can get that online, but what I like about the book is it outlines all the health advantages of doing bone broth on a regular basis. And we've talked before about the collagen and the gelatin in the foundation of a bone broth, which is really good for your cartilage and your joints and your bones. There are non-essential amino acids, which are critical for the body. You get vitamins and minerals out of the bone broth. But the reason I bring it up is um, a number of times in this book, they talk about the gut health. Mm. They talk about your immune system, the anti-inflammatory value of bone broth, and they specifically mention Crohn's. It all flows from there. You're right. Mm. So all bones lead to Crohn's. All bones lead to Crohn's. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought this book, it's not expensive. I bought it as a Kindle. I'm enjoying it. I'm a big one on bone broth, and I don't think you never sort of know too much about a topic. But Mm. 
It takes you through how to make it, lots of great recipes. I think it's worthwhile for those people to, number one, get into bone broth. Number two, grab a hold of this book and have a breeze through it. But number two, if you've got ailments, you have irritable bowel syndrome, you've got skin disorders, you are lacking energy, you've got a gut that you feel as though it's just not operating at its maximum, you want more energy, more vitality, and especially if you want to get rid of the black rings and puffy eyes, Mm, mm. uh, bone broth with its collagen and gelatin is a really good anecdote. And I can say firsthand uh, you will notice a difference after you're having a couple of cups of bone broth uh, a few days a week. So, um, but mate, I thought maybe rather than me just bang on, I like mm. this book. It's my book review. I'll put a link in the show notes. Can we just flash back to Smitty? Smitty, Dr. Smith. Our, our Dr. Michael Smith, our <laughs> resident Mojo Radio Show DR. Let's which flash. Is short for doctor. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's hear what he had to say about bone broth. Can you outline sort of some of the science behind it, Michael, and and the advantages that Robbo would get by having a cup of broth? Sure. Well, for a start, the the bones are a very rich source of minerals. Uh, You can get, and they're in a very easily absorbable form, so it's a very mineral and vitamin-rich broth. But they're also rich in amino acids, and in particular, amino acids like glycine, proline and glutamine, and they're amino acids that aren't hot. They're not found, well, they are found in uh, your normal muscle meats like rump steak and eye fillet, but not in very high amounts. They're found in organ meats, but a lot of people these days don't make the organ meats. So you're getting a better balance of amino acids that aren't found in other foods. Hmm. And these amino acids, uh, they're important to make, I'm not sure if you've heard of glutathione. Glutathione is your master antioxidant in the body. So... That makes it very good, very good for the immune system, the, uh, the, the amino acids. So we talk about the anti-inflammatory properties of bone broth um, and also the benefits to our immune system. Coming up in Rocktober, we will be talking to Dr. Charlie Teo and no surprises, we've already recorded that interview last week. An interesting point that Charlie made um, and something that certainly had me thinking over the last few days since we recorded that interview was more and more the thinking amongst the cancer fraternity is that cancer is actually an autoimmune disease, that every day our body produces thousands upon thousands upon millions of these defective cells and deals with them effectively. It's just that cancer lets it, that get out of control. More and more we're being shown, aren't we, that our immune system is more important than just fighting off coughs and colds, right? Yeah, it does. It's the centre of our universe. And Mm. I think we are going to hear more about the microbiome in our gut. Mm. Uh, A lot of the biohackers who are the guys who are essentially finding more effective, efficient ways of hacking what we eat, how we exercise, productivity, performance, you know, blah, blah. Mm. Mm. A lot more of these guys are now focusing on the microbiome because it's an area that we haven't, you know, as punters, we haven't really explored the most. Yeah. But it does have a massive effect. And it's not just, you know, cancers. It's going to be diabetes. It's going to be heart disease. It's going to be all these different. And you're hearing it today where people are, you know, getting on podcasts and writing blogs and writing books, articles in newspapers and so on about how they cured a lot of these chronic diseases through diet or diet was a part of it. And the diet part is basically feeding the microbiome in the gut and making strengthening the the gut lining. And it's one of the points this book makes. Um, 
the book about bone broth written by Ariane Resnick. One of the points she makes is that um, many people are suffering from leaky gut. Mm. Leaky gut does link and is one of the causes of a lot of the issues we have with our systems and how bone broth strengthens the lining of our guts. So it's not mm. just a healthy microbiome, but it's also the lining. And so it's all... I don't know, it's all cooking down there, Robbo. It's all it sort is. of leading us to something. Yeah, absolutely. Do yourself a favour, folks. Um, do your research on this stuff more than what we're just telling you. And as a Crohn's sufferer, I can highly recommend bone broth. I've been down that road for the last few months, um, much to my wife's disdain, <laughs> the smell permeating from it the does, kitchen. Yeah, it's, it, it stinks. <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, you gotta, it's got to cook for 24 hours or thereabouts. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. The second thing I'd say is make sure you put some apple cider vinegar in because that draws a lot of the calcium and the goodness out of the bones you're yeah. using. And before you do anything, folks, just one caveat to this. We spoke to a guy called Sean Stevenson. It was a fantastic show early on in the Mojo radio show. Mm. And one of the questions I posed to Sean was, um, what did he mean by you are what you ate, ate? And it's not yes. just the food you eat, mm -hmm. it's tracing through the thing you're eating, what did it digest, whether it be a plant with fertilizers and chemicals and the nutrition coming out of the ground or a chicken, a fish, a cow, mm -hmm. a lamb. That's what right. did it eat? Because what it ate goes into the system and you're essentially eating that. If you're going to get into bone broth, which I think is a cracking idea, I would suggest you search high and low and get grass-fed, grass-finished, pasture-raised bones of chickens, lamb, beef, whatever it may be. So I think yeah. that's uh, another very good point, mate. Absolutely. All right, we better get into this week's show. Better do. The Mojo Radio Show. So we've got our first treepeat today. <laughs> it's a lot more polite than our first threesome. Um, <laughs> yes, we have got a treepeat and we have the beautiful and talented Anna Devena, the sleep muse, back yes. on the program because a mate of ours, Graham Cowan, who we had as a guest on the show a few, a few episodes ago, he put a blog out in June and the headline of the blog was, what are the greatest killers of our resilience and performance? And he went out as a researcher, asked executives, what's killing your resilience? What's killing your performance? And the number one thing above anything else, six out of 10 people said, not getting enough quality sleep each night. Yeah, right. Wow. So simple, so easy, yet we're finding it hard to get just a good sound sleep at night mm. and probably enough is probably the key word there. It's not just sleep, but enough of the right sleep. So. With that in mind, we got back on the phone and we rang our good friend of the Mojo Radio Show, Anna Devena, back for her treepeat performance. Anna, welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show. You better be careful. People will start thinking we like you. <laughs> 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 Thank you. I always love talking to you It's guys. so nice to talk to you again. You make us sound awfully good. Yeah. Hey, um, just for those who may not have caught the first couple of times you've been on the show... Tell us, just tell us a little bit about 
Anna, what, what sort of work are you normally doing on a day-to-day basis and who primarily would you be working with? Well, at the moment, um, I'm traveling around the country giving talks on sleep improvement, mainly to adults, um, CEOs, organizations. And when I'm at home, I'm developing a product which is specifically for kids, which comes out of my work with kids because I started um, 16 years ago really Mm. focusing on working with kids. So I'm just about to launch this little sleep kit, which I'm in love with, and um, the kids who are using it currently really loving it too. So, yeah, that's what my main focus is at the moment. Cool. Now... We're going to talk about kids as we go through it. Just um, you are spending your time on the speaking circuit. You're seeing lots of executives around Australia. What are your observations, Arda? How are we going with sleep? Like what's the, what's the latest update of your feelings or your observations of the corporate executive and sleep? I see that they're struggling and that sleep is something that feels like negotiable. You know, people think of it as something that they can give up if they're really busy and they're underestimating the impact it's having. So, and even people who say to me, oh, I need more sleep, they're really not acknowledging how negative it is for them and health, their ability to function really well at work, to lead well, to make good decisions, um, really not seeing how much they're missing out on just by even having an extra hour of sleep. So people are um, generally, I think, they're not valuing sleep as it should be valued and they're finding it difficult to get to sleep. One of the main issues I hear is um, people waking up in the middle of the night and not getting back to sleep, yeah. mainly because yeah. their brain just switches on straight away and they're already in the next day. And they just don't know how to manage those thoughts and they don't know how to manage themselves so they can come back down into their second sleep. So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm seeing at the moment. There were two things that I took out of the audio program, which we'll talk about shortly. And it relates it relates back to what you were just talking about, which I found I found it quite fascinating. You said somehow we we almost get to a point we feel as though it's not okay to rest. And is that sense coming from people fearing that they've got to keep doing more? It's not okay to rest. I'm going to miss out on something. I'm not working hard enough. I don't deserve to be able to, like, what, where's that coming from, Anna? I find it such an interesting comment you made that do we somehow feel that it's not okay to rest when it's such an important part of our performance base? Well, I think for a long time there's been the idea that in order to succeed, we can't rest. You know, we have to keep going. And if I'm resting, I'm not succeeding. You know, I think that's just been a general idea and belief and that inside of success, well-being hasn't really been part of the equation. You know, we haven't said, well, how can I be really successful and feel really awesome as well? 
you know, just kind of been focusing on how much can I do, how much can I achieve, how much money can I make, not how awesome can I feel in my life, how enthusiastic and full of energy can I feel while I'm contributing to this world, you know, and and the cycle can keep going. We're seeing people crash and having um, burnouts and, you know, you've probably met, um, executives who are just so driven. You have a conversation with them. They're not really there with you. They're just so driven. There's so much stress. They're not really present and even enjoying where they are and what they're doing because it's just all yeah. about where they're going. Yeah. So, and even that, you know, I bring that into the bed. So in the middle of the night, you're in a beautiful, soft place. You're in your bed with your pillow and blankets. It's this beautiful place in the middle of the night. And you're not really there. You're already in the next day in your meetings and, you know, so they're kind of carrying that way of living into their evenings. And I think it's sad because it's a very, it can be a very enjoyable part of life. So it isn't only, as you said, you know, it's a vital part of life that we get the rest and rejuvenation that we need. It's also a beautiful experience that we're missing out on. We we did a best of show uh, after your last. I think you've been on the show twice, and we did a best of show at the end of that year in 2015. And I, I don't know whether we said this to you following the show, but talking when we talked about some of our greatest takeouts from 2015. Rob and I both agreed that one of the great takeouts of all the guests we had was that thought about when you get to bed, the sensory feeling, snuggling down, relaxing. It was Robbo enjoying the feeling of his Captain America pajamas mm. as he snuggled into them. Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man now. Is that great? And, and, and don't you just look <laughs> like a stellar figure in that Spider-Man outfit too, my friend. Um, but, uh, what was – it, it was very – very telling and it had a massive impact on both of us and there wouldn't be a night that I don't get into bed and enjoy exactly that space you're talking about. It's a tool that we both took away and used and one thing that I I heard on your audio program for kids, which I thought was just beautiful and I think it relates back to this notion of one of the things you talked to us about is people go, go to bed and they're almost at war with their bed or at war with their pillow and they're not having rest and one of the things you said to the kids, which I thought was not, not only just good for kids but also for the mums and dads, you said that line was, everything you are feeling is okay. And I thought that was just beautiful to, to go to that sanctuary and rest. Can you elaborate for me on that of why that's important for kids and then how that may manifest itself for mums and dads as well? That's a great question. Um, yeah, so that comes out of the section – Um, the book called Making Friends with Your Feelings. And it's really about welcoming everything you're feeling. So often we resist what we're feeling. So people will go to bed and be in a a hurry to get to sleep, which makes them feel frustrated when they don't get to sleep and all these feelings are stirring inside them. And They're not okay with that and not being okay with how you feel gets in the way of going into a deep state of rest. So you you might lay down in bed and 
Um, okay, let, let, let's go to children. So a child lays down in bed and they're feeling a little bit afraid, say, because it's, it's dark. And so when you can be with the child and help them see that that's a feeling and it will pass, they can relax. They don't get lost in the feeling. And same with adults when they're in bed and they're frustrated, even to just go, wow, I feel frustrated because I'm not asleep. Then you might be able to smile at that when you can actually say what's going on. And, oh, wow, can I just be here? Can I just let myself be here? And and for kids, you know, there's the softness game, which is one of my favourite ones, where I just say to them, feel the softness of your pillow. Like you said, you know, feel the sanctuary of your bed and let yourself, let your whole body drop down into that softness. And, yeah, I keep saying to them, everything you're feeling is okay. And part of that track was notice what you're feeling. I think that's a really important step to just go, what am I feeling right now? All right, yeah, I'm a bit tense in my shoulders. Oh, I'll let them go. No, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling relaxed in my belly. Oh, oh, I'll just let my belly go. And teaching kids these skills, these are skills they'll keep with them for their whole lives. You know, like you said, you and Rob took it out of last year's talk and you're still doing it. But the kids, once they get it, they can do it every mm. night. It, mm. yeah. it raises an interesting point. Just, just something that Rob and I have talked about, um, Anna, is that we had a guest on recently um, whose name is Drew Ginn and it was a fantastic show. We've had so many great comments online from people who just loved this episode with Drew and he is a three-time Olympic gold medalist. And my question to Drew was, you hear it talked about, you've been training for four to to eight years, you're at the Olympics, you're in the final, this is the gold medal, this is the moment where it all happens. And I've heard a lot of Olympians or sports people, leaders of of whatever field go, you've got to be in the moment, you've got to bring yourself to that moment. And I asked Drew how he did that and he had one of the most profound replies I think I've ever heard a leader talk about it, how do you bring yourself into the moment? He said, when I'm starting at, sitting at the start line in the boat, about to row for the Olympic gold, I put my hand in the water and I feel the water. He said, I just feel the water on my fingertips. Or I look up and I hear the cheering. I, I see, and he just, he talked about all these sensory things. He said, when you notice your senses, you can't help but be in the moment. You have spoken often, and Rob and I have taken this out, and you've just mentioned it again. You've, you've spoken often about snuggling and feeling the sheets and it all seems sensory in terms of you also on the audio program and even in the book you talk about the kids going ah which is very auditory and you talk children through seeing something very visual in their mind like a special place to go to is it your belief that being very sensory, depending on what senses are most acute for you, is a really good tool for us to find that place and to sleep well and to rest? Well, it's actually more than a belief. It comes out of my practice with hundreds of people. I found that using the body as an anchor was a way that was very effective to help people come in 
to the moment and to relax. So if you say to someone, just relax. I've actually seen someone in a in a in a class saying, just relax, like in <laughs> you know. Uh, commanding tone, that person just looked at them. You could see them just getting more and more. Just relax. It's like the person's like, I don't know how the hell to do that, you know. Whereas if you say to someone, breathe out and feel what happens when you breathe out. Feel that effortless release and let it deepen. And notice how your body feels right now. Bring them into the feeling. Notice how your clothes feel on your skin right now. Notice the temperature of the air on your face. Notice what it is that you're hearing, maybe what you're tasting. The body becomes an anchor and people can very easily come straight into the moment. So that's how I like to see it more than, say, Well, I do actually like to talk about the sensuousness of it because that's where the enjoyment is. But first there's the learning to come in fully to the body. And so the body's like a pathway or a gateway and the senses are obviously Mm. how we feel our body and what's going on in the environment right now. So you asked me about um, the the way that I bring people in and, and that's, I think it's the, it's a faster way than say in the mind when you guide people through visualizations and things like that, especially adults. Um, I do use a little bit of that with adults, but I find that kids, they're more in their imagination with adults. So I do mix it up a little bit more with kids. So I get them really in their body And then I say, now imagine a really peaceful place. Or um, I help them start to think about things they feel grateful for. You know, so because they're much more alive in their imagination, supporting children to use their imagination in a positive way, in a way that helps them relax is is really helpful. Because often, say, with their fear of the dark, it's actually what they're imagining in the dark. It's, it's not the dark. So you can talk to them about the, the beautiful things in the dark. I've had lots of kids come to me when I was seeing clients and I would sit with them on the ground and we'd draw and, and I'd say, so what do you like about the night? What do you love about the dark? And at first they'd look at me kind of really, really confused. They'd say, oh, the stars. I love the stars. And they'd start talking about the things they actually loved about the night. Get them really focused on that. Get them to imagine beautiful things inside rather than the scary stuff. My old man had a, a hobby farm when I was growing up, up a place called Wollombi just out of Sydney here, 30 odd acres. And, and I was the typical city, city kid who was afraid of the dark. And, you know, obviously walking across the paddock up there in the middle of the night with no city lights or anything, it was pitch black. And I remember the first time I, we did that, I would have been about maybe nine or 10. And my dad took my brother and I by the hand and said, come on, we're going for a walk. And of course we both reached for a torch and he said, no, you're leaving it here. And I remember clinging onto his hand desperately being so scared of the dark. And then when he would, st- he started talking to us, he said, just listen, listen to the crickets. And, and now that we've been in the paddock for a few minutes, just look around and see how your eyes have adjusted and see how much you can actually see. 
And then after a while, we were hearing things like he could hear kangaroos thumping off down the paddock. And it's funny thing going back to what we were talking about in that question before about what we, as a kid, what you can learn and what you can still use in terms of your sleep later on. When I can't sleep at night, there's sounds that I go back to and think about um, even now. And, and, and I find that those, especially like listening to the crickets lying in bed at night in, in during summer, if I can't sleep because it's hot or something, I just listen to the crickets and it, it gets me off to sleep. And it's, it's funny that turning that fear around into something positive can actually change, you know, more than just the, just the fear. Yeah. And so after that experience, how, was, how did you feel about the dark? I've never been scared of the dark since. That, that's the thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, that, and that will always stick with me. What I'm hearing that is you kind of attuned to the sounds in the night. That is such a beautiful thing. If you live in a place where you can hear the symphony of the evening. Mm. I had the most wonderful experience recently. I was traveling around at like 3 a.m. looking for beautiful night sounds from the second CD for the background. Yep. And and just listening to different places and the different symphonies in each different place. I was driving into valleys away from traffic sound. It was it was a great experience. Not good for my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but when you told me that it made me think about that. Yeah. It's half time on the Mojo Show. And time to pause for a cause. Hey, Gary and Robbo. I'm Kat Swinton from Catalyst PR, and I strongly support Cure for Brain Cancer. Check it out at www.curebraincancer.org.au and keep listening to Mojo Radio Show for details of the next Rock for Dog. The Mojo Radio Show. So, Anna, we've we've mentioned at the top of the show you have done a new book and you're now working with kids, which you're really excited about. Tell us about the Sleep and Dream book and the stuff that goes with it. Well, the Sleep and Dream book is a collection of what I call self-calming skills. So it guides children through these seven different skills that they can learn and use when they're in bed or when they want to feel more peaceful. Um, So it's really teaching them ways to calm their mind and relax their body. And the feedback I've had is that kids often really love like two or three of them or even just one and they just keep using that. And parents Mm. are telling me that they love um, reading the book to the child because they're learning skills that then they can use without the book and that they're feeling calmer too. So I'm, I feel really, um, I feel really happy that the book is helping not only kids, but parents, I see parents really struggling with this bedtime battle and just, so many parents told me, like, I just don't know what to do. It's really kind of desperate. So it gives the parent skills, it gives the child skills and also when the parent leaves the room, you know, they can know that the child has something they can do and Mm -hmm. the audio is um, 
my voice speaking using, it's not an audio book, it's actually a journey for the child based on those skills. So as they're listening, the audio puts them to sleep and at the same time it teaches them how to apply those skills practically while they're in bed. So I'm really excited as well because it's on a little MP3 player that I'm going to, um, that it's going to be available for the price of a CD. So a child can have their own little MP3 player that's rechargeable with a USB and that kind of solves the problem of what they can listen to it on. So I'm really happy about that. The audio program talk about each child having a special friend, like I think you call it a heart friend. And this heart friend is a person that you can feel safe in their arms. It just occurred to me, is it is there more sitting behind that, Anna? Because I love that the premise of that, and I know the kids that I've spoken to about this, it's quite surprising that that friend that they talk of may have been someone they haven't seen in three or four years when they were a bit younger, but they just had that special connection and that's the kid who comes to mind as their heart friend or the person who gave them a hug and made them feel safe. Is there, is there a lack of connection that kids are missing that makes that so powerful? Um, I, I didn't see it like that. I saw it more to help them realise that the way that they think can be um, very comforting. They can create that friend inside. They can think about someone that, like you said, they haven't seen, but who they felt good with, and that person kind of comes alive inside of them just through their thoughts. So it was more giving them a gift. Um, and for a child who feels very alone, so the, the initial inspiration for me was I wanted to create a gift for children who've been through trauma and who feel alone or who say have been taken out of their home situation and um, are in a, a place where it's all unknown to them. And just I imagined the stress they would be feeling when they're told to go to sleep. And so I wanted to give them... Um, comfort and that's, that was actually the first one that came to me, the heart friend, when I just sat and imagined being with one of those children um, and actually I went back to my own childhood. I had a bit of a difficult childhood and I went back to my seven-year-old self and sat with her and that's actually where that came from, the heart friend. Oh, really? Hmm. Do you do you still go back to that place now, Anna? Like, is that something as a tool that you still call upon? You know, being an adult, do you still call upon that place? The the place of thinking about like having a yeah a friend inside. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, we're getting really. Yeah, you don't have to go there if you don't want to. It's just it's just quite interesting um, because I no 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 well 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 I do you know it's changed though it's um. I have what I call an eternal friend inside and he's just always there and yeah and I and I love that 
I just I think it it um it strengthens me and it comforts me when I need that, you know. And it's not all the time, but I think, you know, to be honest, I think we all go through challenges in life and times where we might feel really alone. And that, to me, is is a life skill to, you know, feel okay when you're alone. Can I ask you about so, that? How do you, how do you yeah, actually use I your do. eternal friend? And if this is getting a bit deep, you don't have to answer it, but... I find that quite curious and it's because quite often we have people who are experts in a particular field and people get fascinated by how those people actually do the stuff they're talking about for themselves or on themselves. The eternal friend is a, is a really interesting premise. How how does that manifest itself with Anna Devaina? How do you use that that tool to help you feel better or to sleep better, perform better? Okay, so I'm going to tell you something that I have told very few people. <laughs> no one, hey, Robert, no one listens to the show anyway, so it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. And you're still told no one. That's right, Gary's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> you're pulling it out of me, Gary. Mm. So, all right. You charmer, you. So I, I, when I'm going through a difficult time and I need um, kind of a bit of an extra comfort, when I'm going to sleep, I put a pillow along my back and I imagine that my eternal friend is there. And honestly, I'm asleep within seconds. (laughs) And I have shared that with a few people, few clients, not many, but the ones who I have shared it with often come back and go, wow, I tried that. It was amazing. So it's something about the combination of the, the, the touch of the pillow and then just imagining an eternal friend. And, you know, the eternal friend can be... Sometimes I imagine that I have my head in the, in the lap of God. I don't like that word God, but, you know. And that's, that, that's my eternal friend. Or, or I'm actually laying in the palm of this massive, warm being. You know, so that's... That's my idea of an eternal friend. It's like this eternal embrace of life. And I think we all can sometimes forget that that's always present for us. So for me, that's what the eternal friend is. And if I go into nature, I I can feel it physically, but in my mind, that's what it's like, like the eternal embrace of life. That's gold. This is absolute gold there. I think there's a uh, soap and a rope in that somewhere. <laughs> I think Anna's making a very big play for a mojo radio show. Soap That's what she's after. Pulling out the, it's sharing, sharing that gold. And, and, is, and what better beautiful. way to go to sleep than to have a warm bath with your soap on a rope and then jump into bed with your eternal friend pillow? I mean, hello. Exactly. <laughs> well, many of our listeners, it's interesting, Anna, because many of our listeners put on the mojo radio show to help them go to sleep. And the reports we get is oh, they're wow. asleep within minutes. We're not even through the introduction and people are uh, dozing off. So, uh, we are. We, in fact, the Mojo already shows the eternal friend. We're changing lives, really. Let's be honest. Eternal friends <laughs> don't do pancake flips during the night, and they don't snore. Yeah, there you go. Or kick. <laughs> oh, hey. Yeah. Or kick. Right. I, you, I don't know. That, that's, that's a bit subjective for me. I think you're starting to put a few more. Few, 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 you're putting boundaries around the eternal friend. 
God, I tell you what, I could have done with one of your eternal friends on tour sleeping in a room with three other dads with bellyfuls of beer, let me tell you. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing positive could come oh, from that. I tell life. you what, mate, the walls were shaking a couple of nights. Yeah, and a couple of quick things before we finish up. Um, I'm curious, having heard your stuff, you used the words sleep and you used the words rest. Is there a difference between sleep and rest? And can you rest and get the same benefits you would get from sleeping? Yeah, really good question because people, um, when they're not asleep, they can get really stressed and they think, oh, my God, I need to be asleep. But the truth is if we're horizontal and our mind is calm and our body is relaxed, we do get benefit and rejuvenation from that. You, you have you guys had the experience of a fifteen minute nap in the afternoon and Indeed. then getting up and feeling yeah. really great, revitalized. But things happen while we're asleep that don't happen when we're resting. And so, and and this is good that you asked the question. I think because in the context of children, why sleep and good quality sleep is so important is because while they're asleep, it's that's when the most amount of human growth hormone is produced in their bodies. And when they don't that, their growth is stunted. And that's something that parents aren't really taking seriously enough now because studies are showing that kids are getting an hour less sleep generally than they did even 10 years ago. And I think parents underestimate the impact that that has on the child it's when we're in deep sleep that the most human growth hormone is produced and for us to get to deep sleep the way that we prepare for sleep and the hormones that are present in our body really play a huge part in whether we have deep sleep and how deep our sleep is because Sleep is, is a very general term, but coming back to your sleep rest, there are levels of rest and there are levels of sleep, and it's the deep sleep that we need and that kids really need because otherwise their bodies and their minds don't develop properly. And then they have other issues like during the day their insulin levels go up, their cortisol levels go up, and life becomes really hard for them. Same for adults. So... There is a difference. There is a profound difference between quality sleep and rest. Yeah. And I and on that topic, I think, you know, people can think they're resting and they're not really resting. There's kind of yeah. this, yeah. their phone's around, their iPad's around, and, you know, you're not really resting. Um, and so I do think rest is a lost art, art in our modern wow. world. And and deep sleep is becoming something that people are finding difficult to get to as well. I want to throw a real quick one at you, Anna. Mm -hmm. I I recently went on a footy tour to New Zealand with a bunch of kids from the footy club and some dads. We were over there for 10 days. And... We kept the kids constantly occupied during the day. There was always something to do. They were always busy um, and always sort of mentally stimulated. And that aside, you know, come nighttime, of course, in the dorms, there would be the obligatory pillow fights and giggles and ghost telling stories that went late into the night. So they were tired the next day, obviously. 
The crux of what I want to get to, though, is that I would have expected them to be tired and grumpy and falling over themselves the next day, but I noticed the opposite. I noticed that they were almost hyperactive. And I just wondered whether, does that transfer to adulthood or, or is that purely a kid thing? That is one of the difficult things for parents because um, often an overtired child is hyperactive. Yeah. And so they think, oh, you know, they're okay, but... Their, their cortisol levels are up and there's a stress kind of present in their body that makes them just hyperactive. They're overtired. We've all seen overtired kids. You know, they're running around and screaming and they're kind of a little bit slightly manic. So the, I'd say that there was a combination of things going on there with the boys being um, overtired. Like it probably would have been good for them to have just a little rest time in the afternoon so mm. that they didn't get to the evening and they're really overtired. And then they're amping each other up in the dorm. So that comes to the the issue of the preparation for sleep and that, and that twilight time that we need to create in the home and also internally so that we can get into that hormonal state that gives us really good quality sleep. So they weren't getting really good quality sleep and they were overtired. So I'd say their cortisol levels were up, insulin levels were probably up and down. Um, yeah. 20 of the parents of the kids who came on tour with us who were listening, this was just a hypothetical question too, by the way. Oh, too, late. <laughs> too late. And folks, all those emails can go to Robbo at Voodoo. When it's short term, you can recover. But yeah, when it's chronic, that's when we really need to, you know, take a look and make some changes. Yeah. The funny thing was though, when they crashed, they did crash. It was, it was almost like one goes, they all go. <laughs> yeah. Anna, I saw a paper, uh, it was a research paper that was presented at the Sleep 2016 conference. And I just wanted your take on this. They suggest in this paper that your body burns more calories in REM sleep that you mentioned before, as opposed to true restful states. And what they said in the study was that overweight people, and they did this based on body mass index, BMI, the people who were significantly overweight spent more time in rapid eye movement or REM than people who were of a normal weight or an appropriate BMI for their age. And the findings they presented was that if you're overweight, your body may spend more time in REM because it's trying to burn off more calories, in which case it's not getting enough time or restful sleep, recovering and recharging, which is why people can wake up through the night or wake up in the morning and still be tired or run down and not have the clarity of thought. In the work you're doing with people and what you're observing with executives, would you agree with that? Well, I would actually kind of flip it around and say that often what I'm seeing is that overweight people aren't getting enough good quality sleep and deep yeah. sleep. And if they did and if they supported their bodies to get that and they really paid attention to what they're doing in the morning so that they can reset their body clock and get the exercise and nutrition that they need, it would all come back into balance. So I'm, I, I think maybe it's interesting research and, yep, sure, like that, that's happening, but really there are, to me the emphasis should be that 
humans need a certain amount of deep, good quality sleep and how can we get it? You know, and that being overweight is something that happens when we get really out of sync and out of whack. And how can we get back? How can we really support ourselves to get back? And I think getting up early in the morning for people who are overweight and moving and, and having light exposure to reset the body clock and get all the cycles that are meant to be happening in the body going can really shift things quickly and help them get that better deep sleep. Some people don't need to have the emphasis both on the what's happening in the evening and the morning, but I find that people who are overweight do need to have um, a really good awareness of what they're doing in the morning and getting up early really helps. There's, there's talk about a relationship now between the sun and sleep um, and you talk about being outdoors and walking, and they're saying that exercising in the sun and getting vitamin D can actually be one of the tools to help people get a better night's sleep. Is that something that you have found or seen in your time working with this topic? Definitely. And it's not just the vitamin D. The light from the sun actually switches the body clock on fully and the production of cortisol comes up to the level that it needs to for us to feel fully awake. So a lot of people are walking around kind of half awake and then spending their nights half asleep. And the key is to get enough light in the morning that you fully switch on and then in the evening to have enough darkness that you fully switch off because darkness, as I've said before, is the best sleeping pill. It sends a signal to your brain to make melatonin. So sunlight sends a signal to make cortisol, which makes us feel, when we have healthy levels of cortisol, we feel very energized and clear and it's easy to be productive. We don't need our caffeine fix four times a day. We can really ride the wave of cortisol, which is a much more enjoyable hormone than adrenaline, which is what is stimulated when we have coffee. I'm not against coffee, but just to see the difference that when we have healthy levels of cortisol, we feel activated in a very kind of smooth way. But you guys have probably experienced having too much caffeine and your adrenals are pumping out adrenaline, which is really similar to feeling stressed. And you're like, whoa, like this doesn't feel that great. Not, not possible. Not possible. You can, you can never have too much caffeine. Not possible. <laughs> oh, not, not, not possible? Okay. <laughs> uh, kidding. Hello to Pete Harrison from Fish River Roasters, one of our long-time yeah. listeners. Uh, <laughs> she didn't mean it, Pete. Keep, keep sending the coffee, buddy. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. Look, and, and I, I think I think everything you're saying is is absolutely bang on. I saw a piece that Ariana Huffington from Huffington Post, who has now written, a, I think, a New York Times bestselling book on sleep and has her own backstory of pushing herself into the ground and then having an awakening, so to speak, and writing and now talking around the world on sleep. And one of the things that Ariana wrote about, which I thought was very interesting, I like your take on it, is she talked about the relationship between actually hydration and sleep. And quite often we are eating way too much at night, in which case we're too full to actually drink water and to hydrate. And she said quite often people are waking up, in her words, dehydrated and heavy. 
What's, what are your thoughts on that? Is that a symptom or a cause that you see and quite often work with people on? Is there some validity to that? So many people when I was seeing clients, I used to see clients four days a week for years. They were so dehydrated. And I think dehydration is a, is a huge problem. Um, and people often know they're dehydrated and that it's having an effect on them but they find it hard to just kind of cultivate the habit of hydrating. Um, and when the body, think about it, the body has so many things it needs to do while we're sleeping. The brain actually needs to be clean. There's a, there's a cleansing process that happens in the brain. We, we store toxins in our brain and cleansing needs to happen from the brain while we're sleeping so we can wake up feeling really clear. If we don't have enough water in our body, that's not going to happen. And then how is the body going to heal and grow when it doesn't have its primary element? You think about it, we're made of 70 to 80% water. So, yes, I, I agree with her that dehydration is a cause of not getting good quality sleep. And I also agree that um, people are eating kind of back to front. We, we need to have a bigger, more substantial, energizing breakfast and a smaller, lighter dinner so that the body can do other things other than digest while we're asleep. In my own experience, I wake up with so much more energy if I have a light dinner and I do drink enough fluids in the evening. So... And I also see clients who've kind of shifted their pattern of hardly any eating anything during the day, substantial, and then a massive dinner at night when they really make an effort to get protein for breakfast and lunch. They not only have better energy during the day and think better during the day, they have better sleeps at night and just wake up feeling better. Would it be your suggestion, if we go back to the start of the show the tip that Robbo and I have taken from you from last year early on in the history of the Mojo Radio Show was to snuggle in, use the senses, relax in bed and really is – would it be your suggestion that people really invest in a great pillow, great sheets, a great doona, maybe even a great mattress? I mean, is that is that part of a, a sleep expert's toolbox because I can imagine, you know, some people listening who haven't thought about that and haven't perhaps bought good quality textures and pillows and everything else. Can that be a hindrance to a good night's sleep? And would that be a useful tool for people to go away and do an audit on their bed? Definitely. And I say to people, do you love your bed? Do you love how it feels? Do you love your pillow and resting your head in your pillow? Think about how much time we spend with our pillow. It's like one of the things that we're the most intimate with and people don't often think about it. Like, start with that because for some people it's like the thought of getting a whole new bed and everything is overwhelming. So I say start with your pillow. Give yourself a pillow that you love and a pillowcase that you love the texture of so that when you put your face against it, you just smile and you sink into it. So I love my pillow. 
life. And then you want to improve your bed and your whole sleeping experience. I think if you really bring your attention to it, people are sleeping on pillows that are like 10 years old. Beds that don't suit their body. So, of course, you know, spend a third of our lives in bed. I think it's very important to invest in a bed that we adore. So even if it's not possible immediately, just to put it there on the timeline, make it a priority, do some research, because it does take time to go and go into those shops and lay down and try everything out and, you know, it takes some time. So just making a decision to have that be something in your life that that you love the experience of is definitely helpful. And for kids as well. Asking them, do they do they love their bed? Do they love their pillow? How do they feel in their pajamas? They like the texture of them, you know. <laughs> um, you mentioned before. It's the final question before we um, get to the big question. Um, you mentioned before something about gratitude as part of the evening ritual. Now, I haven't heard this spoken or written about before, but can expressing gratitude and I have been Robert and I've been running this thesis is that people mostly do gratitude journaling in the morning but my belief is if you do it at night time you kind of go to that counting zeds with great thoughts and things that make you feel good that sets up a great night's sleep I haven't heard anybody talk about gratitude being a tool to put yourself in that special place to help get a good night's sleep is that is that what you meant, Anna, when you were mentioning before, you mentioned gratitude as part of that evening ritual. How how do you see that and is there a recommendation you have for people around that? Yes, and it's actually been proven that feelings of gratitude help you fall asleep and have a better sleep. There was a big study done, I think it was over 10 years, by a man and he wrote a book called Thanks. I can't think of his name right now, but... He was surprised at the findings um, because it wasn't something he expected. But mm. people who felt gratitude for it was only about five minutes got a better quality of sleep and fell asleep easier. And I will often do that. I kind of often, as I'm going to sleep, just think of what I'm grateful for. And I help people cultivate that as a habit because it's something very easy once you're in the bed. So once you've really brought yourself fully into the bed, and by that I mean bring, bring your thoughts out of the day that's just gone or the day that's to come into the sensory experience of being in bed, then if you're not already asleep, to focus your thoughts on something that makes you feel good And that's one of the easiest things that we can focus on that makes us feel good and actually starts the production of hormones that are going to help us have a better sleep. You just say, oh, what do I feel grateful for right now? And it can be something really, really simple. It might just be that, you know, that you have a lovely bed to sleep in or maybe it's someone that did something beautiful for you that day or... Just anything simple. And I say once you think of the thing that you feel grateful for, to then drop in and let it become a feeling of gratitude. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to 
focus on your heart. And as I said in the book, um, it's actually part of the making friends with your feelings. You can actually put your hand on your heart, breathe into your chest and just let it all soften. And then that makes it easier to actually feel a sense of gratitude in your body. I have to share something with you, Anna. I, uh, <laughs> Robbo knows where I'm going with this. I sent the audio program and the book to Robbo, uh, who devoured it. Mm. And part of your beautiful program is you ask the children to place one hand on their heart and I think the other hand goes on the tummy and they breathe in and go to their beautiful place and they, they breathe out and go, ah. So I walked into the studio yesterday. The lights were off <laughs> and Robbo have his feet up on the console, leaning back in his chair. He had one hand on his heart, the other hand on a packet of Tim Tams. And he was going, ah. And I'm, I, I guarantee he was grateful for the whole packet. The fact that he still had some left, he was terribly grateful. So you're having an impact all over the world, aren't you? The only problem was that I dri- I dribbled on my Spider-Man jammies and now they're all chocolate stained. <laughs> That's a true story. Um, hey, Robbo, I've, um, if I may, yes, if I may, may be so presumptuous. Well, you've already done it, but yes. Presumptuous. Um, I've got the final big question. Can I, oh, can do I throw you? it out? Oh, okay. Yeah, you throw it. I, I had one, but you go. Fly it up the flagpole, Bert Whistle. Anna, you were very gracious in digging deep today and talking about your eternal friend. And I have a, a final question. When Rob and I were working in radio many, many years ago, there was a radio show that was on in the evening on one of the radio stations called Love Songs and Dedications. And it was a number one show across Sydney. We could never understand it, but it was. My question is the big question to finish the show is if you were going to dedicate a song to your eternal friend to help them get their mojo working, what song would you dedicate to your eternal friend? All right. I love this song. It's by Jess Chambers. She's a um, New Zealand songwriter, beautiful, delicate music. And she has a piece called You Are a Star. And I really love that piece. You are a star. And, and well, let me let me fire you one more at you. <laughs> run, run yours up the flagpole, mate. Run up the flagpole. I'm just interested to know what song gets Anna's sleepy time mojo going. Take out of the equation your your uh, your lovely CDs and all that sort of stuff that you sell with with meditations and and music on them. If you didn't have access to those, what sort of song would put your your sleepy time mojo into action? Oh, I have so many beautiful slow instrumental pieces. Mm. Um, and for me, I really love um, a song called Uru, O-H-R-O-O. Okay. It's by um, Biomusic, Bio mm. I think they're called. Mm. Anna, it is, you are our only tree, Pete. 
uh, to oh, the show. Oh, nice we term. Work. High yeah, five. Thanks, mate. I've, I've been sitting back while you've been rapping on with your questions. <laughs> <just thinking. laughs> um, and for us, you are a star. We love having you on. I always feel so great about getting rest and sleep and a good night's sleep. And I think the stuff you're sharing is just beautiful. Where can people find out more about you, the Sleep and Dream Book, your programs? Where should we send people? Um, my website, which is the Sleep Muse, that's M-U-S-E. People often hear it as news, but um, thesleepmuse.com. Um, yeah, they can read about what I'm doing and I have a blog there, so there's some helpful articles and there's the Sleep and Dream Kit and a gorgeous little video I just finished about that. So, yeah, they can find it there. Um, there's a charity component of my work for kids. So for every book I sell, I donate a book to a charity organisation that looks after traumatised children. So if anyone knows of an organisation that could benefit from my work, please contact me through the site. Anna, just one final thing uh, to finish up the show, and it comes from something you said. You and I did a job in Sydney year before last called the Day of Inspiration, and I rewatched the video for that, and you had this beautiful line. You said, if you're not sleeping well now, then what you're doing now is not working. What would you say is the first step for somebody when they finish the show today? And if they aren't sleeping well, something's not working, they need to make a change, which is your words. What's the absolute first 100% thing they must do in your mind as the first step? Well, the first step needs to be a deep willingness to change. And so that needs to come from acknowledging, as I said, that what they're doing now isn't working. And that goes for, you know, parents and children as well. If the bedtime situation isn't working, to actually go, well, what we're doing now isn't working. And then commit to changing something and being willing to do that. And because if they just change even what they're thinking, so people are often convinced that they can't sleep or that bedtime is just a battle and that's how it is. So when the doors close, change can't happen. So open the door in your mind and find a deep willingness and commitment to change. And then you'll find the way. Beautiful. What a great way to finish. Indeed. Anna, thank you so much for sharing. We will put all the links to the work you're doing onto the show notes. And, folks, the book, the Sleep and Dream book, and the program that goes with it are beautiful. And Rob and I have both been through it. We've used it with our kids. And it, um, it's gold. It's just it's a beautiful, beautiful, powerful piece of writing and audio. And uh, thanks, Anna. So nice to hear your voice. So nice to catch up. Well done, Anna. Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. Thank you for having me. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So there's not really any doubting that um, Anna Devena deserves a special place on this show, three times back and still full of gold. Yeah, I reckon she's. Uh, I reckon she's got to be a front runner for the uh, soap on a rope. 
Oh, yes. She must be getting up there, mustn't she? Mm, mm. I have to dig, dig into the prize cupboard. Is that what we used to call it? Back in the day of the, of the M's? Back, back at to Bondi the prize Junction, cupboard. That's right. Dig into the prize cupboard. Yes, the old Triple M prize cupboard. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. G'day to Rob Duckworth, who I think had a skeleton key for that one. <laughs> Mate, he lived in it. He did, that's right. <laughs> he and Gibbo lived in the prize cupboard. Indeed. But, Breakfast, um, lunch, dinner, snacks, all come out of the prize cupboard. <laughs> I love our friends at Smith's Crisps. And Coke had an icy cold can of Coke. <laughs> an icy cold can of Coke. Got it, Brock. Thank you for this chance to kick ass. We are your humble servants. Please give us the power to blow people's minds with our high-voltage rock. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Now let's get out there and melt some faces! The Mojo Radio Shows. Lessons in Rock. So it's my turn for a lesson of rock this week, but I'm going to mellow it out a little bit. I'm going to go a bit Ooh. middle of the road. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that's, that's controversial. <laughs> I'm talking about Adele. Do you remember back in 2009 when she really started to hit the headlines with her album 21? She won a whole bunch of Grammys and the thing shot to number one and stayed there for eons and, you know, is still selling its head off. Um, Mate, you'd be living under a rock if you didn't know who Adele was. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing was that she made it a conscious decision at that time that she was going to have trouble writing her next album unless she made a few changes. So she took up a a job at a a local record store, just a corner record store. She worked out the back taking deliveries and sorting out orders and all that sort of stuff. And the reason she gave at the time was that she just wanted to stay on top of musical trends. But just the other day, I came across an interview with her and she gave another reason. Just have a, have a quick listen to this. We just kept, how, how was it possible that an album kept getting bigger and bigger? Like, the fact that I was frightened by it and distanced myself for no other reason other than to live a real life, to write a real record. That was the only reason. How am I supposed to, to write a record that people can relate to if I'm doing unrelatable things? It's impossible. So that's why I backed off. So interestingly, what she's saying there is that she was overtaken by this fame. She was going on luxurious holidays, driving fancy cars, doing all the things she'd always dreamt of doing. But then the realisation occurred to her was, well, these songs that I've written on the last album, people have been able to relate to hand over fist. Mm. How the hell do I do that this time if I'm not doing things that people can relate to? I'm going to be writing completely out of the basket, out of the square of where I was last time. So she's basically centred herself. And I think a good lesson here is that, you know, get yourself on the same ground as your customers, be a part of your customer's world so that you can relate to what they're thinking and where their headspace is. I think it's a fair lesson, mate. It's probably fair to say that not enough people are in touch with their customers and they spend too much time in the office, in front of a screen, in a boardroom or with their face attached to a digital device Mm. and they're not actually on the battlefield walking Mm. with their customers, talking with their clients, asking open-ended questions and just listening for their problems. And that's really anyone in business today is out there to solve problems. And if you can't solve my problem better than the next guy, then one of you is redundant. It's probably you. Mm. And the challenge is actually understanding what the problems are for your customers and clients. And you won't get it from a laptop. You won't get it from a computer or a boardroom table. You've got to get out and walk amongst the people. So 
get on the shop room floor, get on the the building sites, you know. And the classic example is, you know, I walked into a bank, one of the big four banks, I won't mention which one, but they reckon they live in my world. They're not even in the same universe as me. And I walked in to simply activate a card on Friday and I had to go from the concierge who greeted me, couldn't do it, I went and sat down at a desk three times to do it, then across to the teller and all the while they're saying, I don't know why this is not working. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I go, well, has anybody in the senior management ever gone through that process? Have they ever put themselves in my shoes, actually in my world? Mm. Mm. And I th- really admire Adele for saying, you know what, I was so out of touch with my, with my listener mm. and working wherever she may choose to work put it more into and it, it it creates a more authentic song a more mm. authentic lyric a more authentic communication and i think whether it's a bank an airline a plumbing supplies place or a kindergarten if you are not in touch with the person who's paying you for you to solve their problem then you're just not in the same game no you're wasting your time really aren't well, you're you? wasting your time and you know you're wasting your money um, and I think taking a lesson from Adele is a good lesson of rock and a good way to finish. Well, I think we should step back to that album, 21, and uh, let's play out with Set Fire to the Rain, shall we? We're out. I let it fall.
The Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see GaryBurtWhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out VoodooSound.com.au and for the right voice, RealTimeCasting.com Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time. <laughs>